I went to the University of Georgia. I graduated in 1995, and Wendy graduated, I think, that year, maybe 96. And uh, yesterday, I was with my two sons. It's, it's a strange experience to go back to your college town, and in your mind, it was about three or four years ago. And, and they're asking, Sam, Jack asked me questions about the campus, and I'm sitting there going, man. Like, I was there when I was 21, 22, and now I'm 47. I married Miss University of Georgia. Which, that actually makes me Mr. University of Georgia. A little more important. It's a big, that seems to me, going to that pageant, watching Wendy win Miss UGA, seems like I don't know, two, three years ago, and it's not. And I want to talk, I want to talk this morning about what I wish I would have known when I was there when I was 22. You ever wish you could just like hit a button and go back and talk to yourself? Some of you be like, brother, you better brace yourself. I know that feeling. I pastor a lot of people like that sometimes when they don't get their way. Sometimes that's kind of how I pray. I don't know how in the world God does what he does. He's, he's just, he's really good at everything. But he's writing a narrative over your life. It was written before you were born. And all great stories, all the characters stumble into their destiny. All the, all the great stories. Like, it's like, how do we get from point A to point Z? You ever just ask, like, how did I get here? Jack and Amanda just started a Bible study, really, 40 years ago. Fred and Julie Kruger was going to move to Greenville to watch their son play college football. Not really. God had different plans in mind for them. I, I can say that about everybody. You ever just stop and think, how in the world did I get here? Billy Graham on his deathbed still was shaking his head of like, I don't know how it happened or why God picked me. Who knows? There's a, there's a passage in Jeremiah 29 that says, for I know the plans I have for you. I think worry is a high ranking sin, being a little bit facetious, but you know what I mean? Because what we're saying is we don't trust him or his story that he's writing over our lives i wish i could go back and just say chad you're going to be where you're supposed to be if you'll just get up and do one thing every day just trust him just every morning just say i want to know you deeper i want to know you better it's funny because i never saw myself being a pastor i told god there's three things i'm not going to do and one of them is i'm not pastoring a church and i'm not kidding you can ask my wife i'll serve you that's fine it'll be in the marketplace I'm not going to pastor a church. Now I just tell them I'm not going to be a billionaire. I'm not doing that. I will not be skinny. That's the one that doesn't work. Usually if you you tell God you won't do something, it'll be like, it's like an angel's own call. He just said he wouldn't do something. Go make him do it. 
watching what God's doing with um, Pastor Javez and I, just in our friendship, relationship in the two churches. When Wendy met me on my, on my wall, I had one of those, like, I think it was like a six-foot poster. It was huge. And it, it said, give racism the boot. There, there was something in me when I was a kid. I knew in my knower. I don't know why. I just, I hate racism. I know a lot of people hate racism, but I knew that something in my life would be about reconciliation and just watching what God's doing with Disciples Church and Bridgeway Church. Anyway, my whole point is this. I wish I could go back and tell that 22-year-old college student, trust God, relax. You know, the people that are depressed typically spend a lot of time evaluating their past. I notice this with people who cycle in and out in counseling a lot. If you focus on your past a lot, it tends to lead to depression, really. And people who focus on the future a lot are pretty anxious. Really. And every once in a while, you'll just find someone that just stays in the present. That just stays right there. That's what the Lord did. The Lord's assignment was not even his own idea. Even in Gethsemane, he said, Father, please take this cup from me. A lot of people try to even use their own faith to create a different narrative. What, what's more powerful than that is just being present with the Father in the middle of the narrative of whatever he's writing over your life. I remember Sean Curtis just came to a, it was a naturally supernatural event here, and I knew he would move here. We were back in that green room. He goes, what am I doing here? To me, that doesn't make me hopeless. It just, it helps me relax. You ever ask yourself, what are you going to do forever when you get to heaven? We don't really know. But if that stresses me out, then that's just evidence that I'm not just present with the Father. As long as the Father's there, I don't really care what I do. I just think most of us would be a lot happier if we could stay in the present. Blake Berg made a great comment this week. He was in a conversation with Joe Reynolds at our staff meeting, and they were talking about Coca-Cola. And actually, Coca-Cola, they don't offer Coca-Cola. And whether or not it's true or not, like when people drink Coke or they watch the the commercials, it's what's on the other side of the can of Coke that they want. Happiness, diabetes, whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> if you go a few months without a Coke and you have one, you can't see out of your left eye for like 30 seconds. How did we drink so many of those as kids? I have one Coke and it's <laughs> like I want to fight somebody. See, we help people walk in friendship with God, but really, there's something on the other side of that. It's, it's, it's not just that. You know, what, you know what it is? It's Eden, and, and what that is is peace. I'm telling you, you're looking for one thing. The whole world is. I promise you. So we help people walk in friendship with God. Our, that's, that's our Coke and a smile. On the other side of friendship, you know what it is? Shalom. That's what you want. It really is. You don't. People say, you know, I, I want to walk in wealth or be successful. Well, what you, really say, what you really don't know you're saying is you perceive that maybe on the other side of that is what it'll afford you, and, and it typically doesn't. But, but this, it's actually possible, talking about this name today, it, it's actually possible to find shalom. And I think I got some authority to talk about it because for a long time I didn't walk in shalom. Xanax, Klonopin, Zoloft, I was more tangled up than a Bill Dance tackle box in the middle of the summer. Y'all remember Bill Dance? Remember that? Back when we didn't have cable, that was the only thing on Saturday morning. 
watched that redneck fish for an hour and I called it TV. So we've been through a bunch of names and today is my favorite because when you don't have Shalom and then you find Shalom, because Shalom only comes from one person, it comes from Abba Father. But I want to talk about building a biblical paradigm of how we even can call him this because don't, don't ever let yourself get so used to the scriptures that you forget to get lost in a story of the scriptures. And I'm going to take you back to a time when it was anything but this. Aaron had two sons. One was named Nadab and one Abihu. Sounds like something you would get at a fancy taco restaurant, Nadab and Abihu. And they came to the altar because they wanted to worship God. God smoked them. Ate him at the altar. Look at this verse. Leviticus 10. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire different than he commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence, burned them up, and they died before the Lord. Imagine that on Greenville News tomorrow. Did you hear what happened at Bridgeway Church? <laughs> No longer a slave to fear. Whoosh. Hey, I hadn't seen Jerry in a while. Where is he? God, 10 o'clock service in November, God ate him at the altar. By the way, these fellas, go back here and look at, look, look at the first verse, please. Look at this, Gary. Um, these aren't pagans. You know who Aaron is, right? These are Aaron's sons. Aaron's wife's like, where, where are the boys? Are they out playing? What's going on? Um, or how about, how about this one? Let's, let's go to this passage in Exodus. You, you sure you want to snuggle up in intimacy to this God? On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted Moses and was about to kill him. I'd never even seen that passage until Joe and I were talking about two months ago, he's like, have you ever seen a passage where God is going to kill Moses? And I was like, no. And I'm looking it up. This bizarre. We're, we're in the age of grace. We were born on the other side of the cross. But to fully appreciate why we can do this, you've got to go back to when it wasn't this way. He was not approachable. Any young Jewish boy or girl growing up in the faith, in the covenant, their stories about God were honestly more like this. Remember the time that God was going to kill Moses? Even Israel was birthed from a wrestling match where God keeps Jesus, I think it was Jesus, slamming Jacob on the ground to the point where he broke his hip. Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that intimacy i want to know you jesus intimately you sure about that we got all this music that's just so just host the presence of god and you just want to encounter him but the saints that have gone before us were saying man you lucky dogs you so lucky here's another one how about this one another one in exodus this is a feel good talk about the old party pooper this is it uh go to the, go to the next one it's the one about the consecration 
Uh, yeah, 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 this is it. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me, mark off a boundary all around the mountain and set it apart as holy. I love reading these stories about Moses and the people. One time Moses is in the presence of God and he comes down the mountain and he's glowing. He's like some extraterrestrial figure. This is, this is not, God is not a little buddy like he, he, he told them in one of the passages, I'm going to smoke your animals. Moses, tell them to consecrate their animals. I'll kill all their animals. They were scared to death. Moses would go and talk to this guy. They were hoping that God wouldn't die or that Moses wouldn't, wouldn't die from God. The, it was such a serious thing that on uh, Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, you got to understand, they would tie a rope around the priest, around his leg. In case he died, they'd drag him out because they didn't want to walk in there. And then one time, one of them just touched the ark and he dropped dead. How did we go from that? Because that, that, to me, the, if you read the Old Testament without a dog in the fight, you just, just read it with no commentaries, you would not put the word approachable on God. This word is actually an Aramaic word. I keep pointing, it's the Abba. Not the band. I'm talking about Abba. <laughs> Saw a tattoo on somebody one time. I'm like, man, you love the father. He's like, huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I never listened to Abba. I'm too young. Any Abba fans in here? Couple? Don't be bashful. Raise your hand. Any Abba? Is it Abba or Abba? What is it? Is it rock and roll? Skating rink music. How do we go from Moses? I told you, I'm going to kill that cocker spaniel because I told you not let those dogs near the mountain. Matter of fact, this same God, Moses got angry over something that I wouldn't have been that torn up about and God said you ain't going to the promised land you're done and Moses and Moses doesn't argue back he's like not a problem not a problem God's many things he is not approachable in the new in the old testament at least to me matter of fact that's part of my problem because I didn't have a hermeneutic of Jesus in the old testament boy what you don't know can kill you how do we go from that to to this passage from Paul no, not Paul. Well, we don't know who wrote it. It might have been Paul. I'm not sure. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Nadab and Abihu, sons of the priest, go to worship him. And they become the Thanksgiving turkey. And then in Hebrews, to this same God, I'll read it again come boldly to the throne of our gracious God when, whenever you want. The only way that we can even entertain the idea of an intimate God, because Abba is an Aramaic term, which is about intimacy of a tender father. It's an Aramaic word. I, I, I promise you, when Jesus said, talked to the father and called him Abba, I promise you, this is not even, this is just a fact. It was the most shocking moment of Simon Peter's 
life with him. They don't, they don't have a paradigm of that. Their paradigm of God is standoffish, holy, otherworldly, split oceans. Wouldn't even let Moses into the promised land. Thundering, firebolts at on Baal. These are the stories that so many of these millions of early Jewish hearers grew up hearing. There were no scriptures to read like we have now. They just hear story upon story upon story upon story upon story of an unapproachable God. It's one thing to fear God. It's another thing to be scared to death of him. Really, those aren't the same thing. And when Jesus said, they said, what are you doing? Teach us how to pray. Okay, our father. Even that word, father, there. But when he said the word Abba, and then when, who do you think told the, the Hebrew writer about the idea of Abba? Holy Spirit came after Jesus ascended, really only had one message. And the message is, the Messiah was crucified, resurrected, and ascended to give you an opportunity not to go to heaven, but to go to your Abba. You can't find peace outside of Abba. You can't. It doesn't exist. Brian Schwartz, who's a good friend of mine, knows the pastor that's been a part of Kanye West's spiritual transformation. It's real. It's real. That man's found peace. Seriously. Do you know, just because you're on the earth doesn't mean you're one of Abba's kids. Jesus is the initiator into connection with your dad. Bob Jones, the great and wild prophet that died not too long ago on Valentine's Day, the father called him his little Valentine. One of his last breaths on his deathbed, he said, 95% of God's kids in the church do not know that the father loves them. There are a lot of people serving him and don't know him. And their exhaustions and meltdowns and brokenness doesn't come because they're not his kid. It comes because they will not accept him on his terms. He's, he, he wants to be literally your dad. I will never forget coming out of Fisher Humphrey's class at Beeson Divinity School. So many of those classes in seminary made me want to just beat my head against cement blocks, but not that one. You know what the class was on? Theology. It was called Theology. His book was called Theology. Thinking about God. The last thing Dr. Humphrey said to John and I in our last class, to Helms and I, the last thing out of his mouth, he said, he's always wanted his family back. A minute ago over there when everyone was worshiping, he opened my eyes to how he saw people. And I I said, I I can't do that. Is too much. He longs for his kids. You know, like on your best day as a parent, don't think like the other days <laughs> where, where you are like looking, you're making up shame coverings along the way. On your best day, you just know that they have no idea what you would do for them. You know what I mean? Like, when, when did the thing become so religious that 
he's anything but Abba. That's a very tender word. It's a very tender concept. He tells me often, so many people are in shock when they see their Abba on the other side of faith when you're with him. That's why so many tears have to be wiped away. Satan is the great deceiver. He's not just the accuser of the brethren. He's the trickster. You want to know the number one trick up his sleeve that he focuses on all these thousands of years? He does whatever it takes to get you away from revelation of what I'm talking about this morning. I'm serious. Jesus Christ is the prince of what? Who do you think bestowed upon him that peace? Jesus didn't even send himself to, the, to this earth. The Lord, it wasn't the Lord's idea to die for you. It's the Father. Someone said the other day, who killed, I think we were in ascent. Who killed Jesus? I, I like to ask questions at ascent to where I know I can get them. I, lo, I just, I love it. Especially Preston. Where's Preston? Is Preston in here? That's become like my hobby. I'm like Ty Cobb in his prime. I bat about 600 with you. That's just, it's easy. I love it. And it's like, well, the Jews killed him. Who killed Jesus? The Jews killed him. Really? Who killed Jesus? And the question is, why? The whole idea that I even have an opportunity to be, to be intimate with the Most High God is because the sacrifice of his son had to be made. And he made that decision before our mistake in the garden, before the foundations of the earth. Paul says it this way, you, ha- you can't even begin to to understand, much less experience, the amount of love in him. I, I, um, I read the Gospel of John so much that I felt like I was OCD. Because when I realized, when I had my encounter with the Lord and I realized how nice he was, I couldn't get enough. It's like a, it's like a, a, a dog eating a steak. <clears throat> you ever eat a ribeye and you give a little piece to your dog and he just, he doesn't wag his tail, he just wags his whole rib cage? Or her, you ever seen a dog do that? I couldn't stop. And I read John over and over and over and over and over. I really only noticed one thing in John. He was, Jesus was like obsessed with his connection with the Father, with his obedience to the Father. He didn't even see his assignment as an assignment. He, he doesn't even look at it as what I'm supposed to do. It, it's, it's more effortless than that. He, he was so caught up in his father. You're wired for intimacy. You're wired for connection. Chesterton, the great theologian, said every man that knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for Abba. Seriously. Even perverted sexual experiences outside the context of marriage, whether it be through pornography or whether it be through partners or however sin manifests in people's lives, at the core of that is a desire for connection. Really. And, and I'm going to say something that I, ha- that I have. It's 11-11. I have. Thank you, Ryan. This, this, this doesn't go over well. Your journey is not even started if your journey has ended at Jesus and Jesus only. If your journey hasn't gone through Jesus to Abba, you haven't begun to experience the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the Greek word euangelion. The, good, the too good to be true news of what? Of this name, of this word. 
Jesus is still, right now in your life, through the person of the Holy Spirit, he's not trying to get you to your assignment. He's trying to get you to Abba. Your assignment will accidentally happen. Seriously. I cannot tell you how many times this happens at the altar. I, I mean, almost on a weekly basis. And I used to be this, so don't just go with it. But people say, can you just pray about what's next for me? And I say every time, no. No. We are obsessed with what's next. You know what's next? Abba. I'll never forget uh, a friend of mine when his, his dad died on his, on his deathbed. His dad was coming in and out of a, of a coma. And he had his business papers all around in his briefcase. And he died worrying about his business. Wouldn't you like to just die with a smile on your face? Do you know you can get so close to Abba that it trumps anything in the natural? I'm I'm telling you a story. When, When you grow in tenderness, I'm not just talking about in adoration or in worship. You, you can do that and still be scared of him. It's not that. The fear of the Lord doesn't have that type of scare in it. The fear of the Lord is honestly with obedience. So Abraham feared God by taking Isaac. It's more obedience. When you grow in tenderness, you can have ongoing... It's, it's, he's a person. You just talk to him all the time. So I was in Sheffield, England, I don't know, eight, nine months ago. And I was in the home of Nick and Marjorie Allen, the pastors of the well. We've had them on stage quite a few times. And I, I looked at Nick. And to me, I don't think words of knowledge. Okay, Nick, I have a word of knowledge for you. I have a 1 Corinthians 14 one moment going on. I'm just talking to the Father. I, I like to have one track talking to the Father at all times. Paul said, pray without ceasing. There's no way he meant go into an intercession chamber. You mean you wouldn't get anything done. Pray without ceasing. He's praying all the time. And I said, Nick, uh, you and I are going to go to Normandy, France, and we're going to train some French pastors. Well, that's a pretty, that's not like, hey, I got a word for you. The Lord said he loves you. Like, the Father showed me we're going to go to Normandy, France. Well, I was on a Zoom this past week, and Nick said, hey, remember that word about Normandy, France? I said, yeah, I actually do. And, he, and it wasn't just to go visit. It was to train pastors. He goes, well, there's a pastor I want you to meet from Finland. He's going to be here when you're here, coming up soon, February-ish. And he said, Chad, he's doing a work in Normandy, France, and he wants to talk to you. Do some training stuff there. The whole point is this. You can have that. It's all the time when you grow in tenderness with him. You see, when you grow in tenderness with him, his kingdom makes more sense. A lot of charismatics go after the kingdom and want to see things manifest without an intimate connection with, with whose kingdom it is. I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious, specifically on financial capital. You've got to need sow a seed. There's truth in that. But if you're sowing seeds outside of an intimate connection with the Father, you're just, what are you doing? But what happens is when you grow in intimacy with him, doors accidentally open. And, and this is when you realize, man, this is the one, this is the intimate one that's writing my story The narrative's already written. I'm just falling into it. It starts to produce a high level of shalom. Nothing, I'm going to say this so slowly, you can't misunderstand it. Nothing terrifies the enemy more than your shalom that you carry. I'm serious. The the demonic realm laughs a lot at hyper, hyped up type going after it kind of stuff. 
a lot of that stuff is an overcompensation for what you don't have. When you step into a storm, heck, rebuking and screaming and loosening and wrestling, that stuff's biblical, but it should last about two seconds. Jesus said to the storm, shh. He didn't say, call the intercessors forth. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't quote a bunch of scripture. Matter of fact, even in the desert with the devil, he doesn't quote like a hundred passages, guys. He, it's very focused. When you carry shalom, storms begin to like shake. I'm serious. It is, it is a high level of warfare to carry shalom. The enemy doesn't like being embarrassed. And he gets really embarrassed when he comes after someone with a high level of shalom. When you carry shalom, I'll make you a, a couple of promises. It only comes from the Father, and there's a metric to it. It's not all or nothing. You grow into it. But you'll have a lot of enemies and a lot of friends. You'll never have many, anyone, Harley, that's neutral with you. They used to say about Wigglesworth, they said people loved him or hated him. No one was ever, never neutral with him. It's the same way with Jesus. Even his disciples in John 6 were like, I've had enough. The whole drink the blood thing, listen, I've had enough. The Lord carried so much shalom, it wasn't a problem. Even in Gethsemane, when his, when his guys couldn't even stay up with him, not a problem. Carrying shalom, it's, it's why there are so many religions in the world. It's, 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 it's because they're all looking for the same thing. You see, we help people walk in friendship with God. You want to know a metric on friendship? Shalom. What if Bridgeway is simply to multiply shalom babies? Seriously. Shalom, man, he's the prince of peace. Don't you want to have a be in peace? I love this about the kingdom, though. The ones who carry a lot of peace get the privilege of going into a lot of wars because the Father really values using your shalom to bless other people. When he cuts covenant with Abram, this is what he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless other people. You want to know what God really wants to bless other people with through your life more than anything? You're shalom. And you can't get to shalom unless you go to Abba Father. Jesus, and I, I learned this from Steve Keys. Jesus and the entire Bible, if you watch him, all he did really was step into chaos and bring shalom. That's what Steve learned in Israel. I really like that. He, he stepped into chaos and brought shalom. Sh- shalom and intimacy with the Father, the prophetic becomes so easy you ever had someone say, hey, can you get a word for me? And all of a sudden you feel like you got a migraine and you need some NyQuil severe because you're straining so hard to get that word. You know you get to play such a place of shalom that you'll know that they're going to ask you for a word before they ask you for a word. I'm serious. We've got to stop just thinking that the great prophet of God carries a gift. A, 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 lo- a lot of prophets that you'll meet, they actually have been given a sovereign gift. They don't carry a lot of shalom in their personal lives. Go read God's generals. But then you just meet that unassuming just marketplace mom, unassuming. It's like Yoda in Star Wars, carries a little stick, but then all of a sudden the force just boom when they're around. I think we have one more verse. I want to show this. Yeah, two. This is probably on the epitaph. This is John seventeen three. This is probably on my epitaph. Um, 
I just, I love it. I'm getting the whole, dis- doing my dissertation off this verse. Jesus is talking to the Father in John 17. He said, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you. You know who he's talking about, the you there? He's not talking to himself. <laughs> I know they're the same, but they're, they're also not the same. He's talking to the Father. He says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God. Eternal life there, the word zoe, it's a picture of like the deepest place of shalom in Eden. See, we messed up what God set up. Adam committed treason. And Jesus actually came here to take you back to the place that you're supposed to be. And that place is eternal life. It's Zoe. You know what Zoe is? It is the highest form of peace that you carry. It's not absent of trouble. Most people define their lives by the static and the turbulence. Turbulence is always going to be there. Always. Jesus said it. In this world, you're going to have a lot of trouble. We kind of get weirded out when the trouble appears. You can get to a place where you just, you don't just tolerate the trouble. You, you bring your shalom, not just the Lord's, your shalom into the conversation. That is a powerful place to be. That's a place on the summit. Eternal life is you carrying shalom and then multiplying it. I think that's what we're going to do, just multiply shalom babies. Look at what Jesus says, or uh, Paul says in Romans eight fifteen. This is, I know you know this, so much of this stuff. My goodness, we've been preaching at Bridgeway for so long, but this is what Paul says. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as own children. Now we call him Abba Father. I'm just telling you, I know it's bizarre to think of the Lazarus thing. I mean, can you imagine the stench of that? If someone was dead for here for three days and they got up, I mean, you, you talk about 300 years from now. That was wild, the blind stuff, the walking on water, all the stuff that, that the Lord did was really bizarre. I, am, I promise you, you can ask him one day, nothing was more bizarre than this because they didn't have a grid for it. But if you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, the, over the next 100 years, all around Rome, you started seeing shalom babies be multiplied. And you had people, when Nero would unleash his dogs to kill Christians, they were burning at the stakes, they were laughing and singing as they're, as they're going into heaven. You want to know why? They carry that much peace. You, I know I've told this story before, but I'm, I'm going to tell it again. When Suppressa Satole, who's raised 10 people from the dead, was in my house, I thought he was on his phone with his wife, Trifina. He was upstairs talking to the father, and I bet he talked to him for an hour and a half, and he kept laughing back and forth. I thought he was on the phone with Trifina. That, that, that's really, that can become your norm. It, it's to the point where it is... Man, it's just all I want is that, connect, that intimate connection with Abba because you know what happens then? I, I'm not worried about what I'm supposed to do with my life. That's really an illegal thought. It's a bizarre thought. So, some of us like the holidays in here, and I know, it, I know it's hard for some people, and I have a lot of uh, respect for that. It can be so hard. For me, when I go Thanksgiving, when I go to my my wife's house where, where she grew up in South Georgia and we're with family. I just don't do anything for about four or five days and I really like it. I'm, I'm with family. A couple of carb overdoses. A lot of football. But the whole point is it's just driven by connection. You're wired to connect. And I know we like connecting with each other. But it's not more important than this. It's really not. This... This is the thing that this concept of God as Abba Father is incredible. I'll, I'll close with this. I have one of my best friends, 
had a, had a heavenly encounter recently, and he saw someone in a heavenly vision, a person he loved very much, and the person said, fear nothing. So 366 times in the Bible it says, fear not. 366. You, you don't overcome fear with faith. It doesn't work. You overcome fear with love. Faith does not drive out fear. Love drives out fear. It does. Where do you think that love's coming from? It's like the little boy who wrote the book about going to heaven. He said, the Lord's nice, but his dad's real, real nice. Let's stand up together. You're going to be with him one day. You might as well be intimate with him now. I'm going to ask our prayer servants to come forward. Some of you may need a, a literal impartation of the message of the, the Father's love. I'm going to do that once the prayer servants get settled. I'm going to speak that blessing over this congregation. And you might just want to come get prayer that you're not there. You know, there's, there's a metric to everything in life. And maybe you're on the, the beginning of baby steps to, to Abba Father. A lot of people are have strong belief system in Jesus and could probably even write an essay on doctrine. That's different than being intimate with his father. And there's no shame if you're not in a good place with that. You know, might as well start today. You're going to start when you leave your beautiful body. You might as well start today. I don't want to be a person that has to get to know him when I'm up there, you know. Just open your hands like a little kid. I'll speak a blessing over you. Receive this as a child. In the name of Jesus. May you know the Father as well as the Lord did and still does. May he be more real to you than anything in the natural. Go in peace. God bless. If you need prayer, come get prayer this morning.